Number two big mistake is, and this kind of goes along with mindset, if you're making the mindset mistake, then you're going to make this mistake, which is DIY. Welcome to Pencil Leadership. I'm Chris Anderson, success and lifestyle entrepreneur, and I'm on a mission to help you realize your full potential so you can leave a positive mark on the world. So if you're ready, take out your pencils and let's begin. Jim Rohn said, income seldom exceeds personal development. And Ralph Waldo Emerson said, the only person you are destined to become is the person you decide to be. This is episode 125 with the founder of Executive LP and creator of Profit From Legal, Noel Bagwell. If you're looking to get a little bit more information on why you need contracts in your coaching business or other legal infrastructure within your business, this episode is for you. And if you hear anything you like, make sure you head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating and review. Uh, I actually wanted to be an entrepreneur. I, I wanted to get into business. Um, but I think that people should do, this is a broad sweeping generalization, but I think people should do what they're good at. Mm. I think the career path that you choose should be guided by the skills and talents and abilities that you've developed over the course of your life. And you should periodically reevaluate whether or not you're in the best career for you. And, um, you know, that's that led me to go to law school because I, I have a skill set, a personal skill set that I developed that was conducive to practicing law. So I just sort of went, I followed my strengths. I went where the mm. spirit led me, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm from the South. So we there's going to be a sprinkling you. of evangelical language throughout your right. that way. So what, yeah. so what were those skill sets? What did you learn or what did you develop over time that led you to, to thinking law was the best fit? Uh, well, it's going to kind of make me sound a little bit like a jerk, but um, <laughs> I I argue well. Okay. Uh, I, I argue well. I, not that I enjoy it, although maybe I do. Maybe, maybe <laughs> I have to admit that I enjoy being a little confrontational, but I, I think that uh, here we go again, like iron sharpening iron, yep. a strong mind will make another strong mind stronger. And I feel like a, avoiding conflict is not only cowardly, uh, which is just a terrible character trait to have to be a coward. Yeah. Um, so I think avoiding conflict is cowardly, but also it makes you weaker. It, it atrophies the muscle of your mind. Yeah. And for me, I think that if I'm, I'm really at my best when I'm arguing with somebody else and they're making really good points and I'm like, Oh, I have to concede that, yeah. you know, but I, it's a mark of maturity to be able to do that. Not a lot of people argue well. Um, but communicating well is a forte, I think, uh, yeah. at least for me, it's a journey of improvement. I'm not a master by any means. I don't claim to be, uh, it's like writing, um, you know, Hemingway said something like, we are all uh, apprentices in a craft in which no one ever becomes a master or something mm. like that. And I, I feel like with writing, speaking, you never really master it. There's really never any perfection to it because even if you master a single language, how many more languages are there out there exactly. for you to learn? I mean, nobody ever masters all of interpersonal communication. It's a lifelong journey, yeah. but it's one that I love. It, it, it makes me excited to talk about it. Um, and then arguing is really good. And then I, I really like solving puzzles and there are lots of puzzles and I feel like um, adjusting incentives for other people, whether through the crafting of contracts or policies or procedures, you're really 
changing the rules of the game or you're just acknowledging the rules of the game that never change no matter how much people try to change them and then clearly communicating them to everyone who needs to know them in order to get the outcome they want. Mm. I often tell people that uh, lawyers are the kids who who used to read the the rules for Monopoly or the underside of the box top or whatever for whatever board game. And they, they just grew up and never lost that. They just never lost that trait of, well, we're going to play by the standard rule set, whatever, whatever shipped. And a lot of people, they like the home rules, you know, they like to get mm-hmm. money when they land on free parking. But if you go back and you read the Monopoly rules, there's no money for free parking. Right. There's no money for that. And so we have to kind of, as lawyers, explain to people, no, there's no money for free parking. Sometimes you can write your own rules. You can play by home rules. And a good place for that is, for example, uh, the operating agreement for a limited liability company, where you can kind mm-hmm. of structure the rules for your own organization. But in a broader sense, uh, most people really need to learn to follow the rules for society or else they're going to end up sideways with the law. And that's not a bad place to be because you can get a fine, you can go to prison, you can lose a lawsuit, it can cost you a lot of money, it could cost you your business. And if your business is worth less than $100 million, one lawsuit is pretty much enough to bankrupt you. Um, if it's a if it's a perfect storm lawsuit, I mean, mm-hmm. it's probably not a small claims court suit or something like that, but a significant lawsuit that's a you know serious problem, you, you're far from judge you're you're far from uh, lawsuit proof. I mean, yeah, it, it takes a whole lot to get to the point where ah, I can just absorb it and not you know not miss a beat. Right. Yeah, and that's uh, I think a lot of people don't think about that when starting businesses um, down the entrepreneurship journey. It's just the, excuse me, the legal side of things. Yeah. Uh, it's almost like, oh, you know, good people. Uh, I'm coaching good people. I'm helping good people. So like uh, maybe not, I'm not big enough yet to worry about that. But I, I, from what you said, I don't necessarily think that's the case really. No, it's not the case. And and to just sort of put a cap on your prior question, mm-hmm. uh, you know, what brought me to law is I like, I like solving pro- problems. I like clarity and communication. I like playing by the rules and getting things right for people because at the end of the day, um, I wanted to be an entrepreneur and I really believe that profit, which is the penultimate goal for all you know entrepreneurial endeavors, profit is what happens when you get everything else right yeah. in your business. And, and that doesn't come from me. I am quoting Yvonne Chouinard, the founder of Patagonia, the clothing brand. He's mm-hmm. a big mountain, mountain climber and everything. He said, profit is what happens when you get everything else right. So I, I ultimately just want to help you profit. I want to help you get everything else right in your business. And you're right. A lot of people don't think about it when they're starting a business because our brains are designed not to answer a harder problem if we think we can answer a simpler problem. And our brains are designed to avoid difficult thinking if we think it's unnecessary or if we intuitively feel it's unnecessary and because people don't see the need because they don't understand the law, they don't understand how it applies to their business, their brain just sort of edits it out. It's like a blind spot. And that's really, really dangerous. You can, um, I saw this episode of the, I think it was the X-Files back in the nineties or something. (laughs) And the whole thing was about, uh, these guys who in Vietnam had learned to hide in their opponent's blind spot and they would attack them from their blind spot. Oh. And I thought, well, that's just terrifying, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think, but the law is that way a lot because it just sort of hides in people's blind spots and you really need someone, you need an outside view to cover your blind spots so that you don't have those blind spots and they're seeing what you don't see. They're bringing it to your attention 
proactively in a, on a regular basis in an intentional way. And that's the best way to prevent your legal risks from becoming legal problems or, or small problems from blowing up into huge crises. You really need someone watching your back. And it's not just a matter of business development, although there is that too. Uh, it, it really is a matter of just responsibly protecting what you're trying to build. Yeah, I think that's a great point, responsibly protecting that because you have an obligation to it, not only to like yourself, but the people you're helping. Because if you go down, then you're not there to help them. And if you're supporting people through employees or family or whatever, then you can't support them. And so, yeah, I think it's definitely a big, big responsibility. And I'm curious, I know a little bit about your backstory a little bit. Did, did And you went through some kind of up and down, some hard times. Did that impact your decision to become a lawyer helping small businesses? Yeah, I think so. Um, So my father was a really successful attorney. He was, I mean, he is a, he's a brilliant guy Mm -hmm. and he practiced law for about 19 years and he had offices in uh, Dover, Clarksville and Nashville, Tennessee. So middle Northern middle Tennessee, three cities. He was president of the Tennessee trial lawyers association a couple of years. And he was just really, really good at being a lawyer. But he made some, and he would admit this, he would say this, um, you know, it's not like I'm kicking any dirt on him that yeah. he, he wouldn't uh, accept. Um, he made some bad business decisions, mostly hiring, bad hiring decisions. He hired, uh, in particular, one employee that just sort of tugged at a thread. Um, well, first she wove the thread into the business and then she tugged at it a whole lot. And it just caused things to unravel and, and made it untenable for him to continue uh, practicing law. So... Um, the long and the short of it is bad business decisions will, will hurt you. Even if you are really, really good at your profession, even if you're Mm -hmm. a great accountant, a great engineer, a great architect, a great plumber or electrician or whatever, right? It doesn't matter. You can be really, really good at what you do. Great lawyer, but you can be equally bad at the business of what you do. And those are really different things. Being good at what you do, being good at the business of what you do very different. So you really need other people, a support team in your business to help cover your skill set where, because you can really only focus on and be really excellent at probably one thing. I mean, we're just not designed for multitasking. That's not what humanity is. We're not good at that. We're as a species and scientific study after scientific study shows that multitasking and trying to spread your focus and go a millimeter in a million different directions it's not going to get you very far, but the people who are exceptional are people who focus on one thing to the exclusion of just about everything else. Mm-hmm. So you got to pick a path in your business. If you're really good at um, sort of building a team and, and sharing a vision and herding all the cats, well, then you might be a great CEO, right? But if you're more of a technician in your business, uh, you might be a better chief operations officer where you focus on delivering products and services and you have someone else to be your CFO, CEO, CEO. Uh, head of marketing, head of sales, general counsel. Don't try to do all those things yourself. Don't try to wear right. all the hats yourself. Number one, you'll burn out. Number two, you'll you'll do a lot of different things badly instead of yeah. doing one thing really, really well. And yeah, so I, I do what I do because people need that support and because I live through what it's like when a business doesn't have the um, business leadership that it needs to have, where you've got one really brilliant technician in the business and because they're not the business strategist that the business needs them to be, the whole thing crumbles. And I've lived through that. It caused a lot of pain and suffering. 
Um, and I really would like to see every other business in the world avoid that because it is avoidable. Uh, you yeah. just have to have a plan and execute the plan. Um, so, yeah. I got you. Okay. Uh, and, and thanks for sharing uh, about yeah. that. So how can businesses, I guess, begin to, um, I guess, seek legal service or, or what steps do they need to take first on their business journey to protect themselves so then they can profit safely in the future? Okay. So two, two quick little disclaimers here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. What would a lawyer interview be without a disclaimer? Right. Um, <laughs> So number one, I'm I'm not selling here. I'm not here to sell anything to anybody. I'm, I'm here to share ideas. And these are the things that I think uh, will work for, for businesses and that I think other lawyers should pick up and start doing. So I really think other lawyers should, should change. You, you said at the beginning that I'm all about changing the way small law firms serve small businesses, because I think that's the way to end legal, legal poverty. I mean, I, I don't want anybody having a legal need that they absolutely can't have met. To me, that's what legal poverty is. And I think we can end that because I think there's enough supply of lawyers out there to meet the demand. Uh, it's just that as a legal profession, we haven't done a great job of designing a business model uh, that really serves small businesses where they are. So number one, I'm not selling anything. And, and instead, I'm, I'm sort of collaborating uh, or trying to put these ideas out there in a collaborative way. But number two, I am going to talk about the answer to that question in the context of the specific services that I provide. Okay. Um, you know, your mileage may vary. You may need to, if you're listening to this podcast, watching this podcast, you may need to go out and find another attorney in your jurisdiction that will do a similar thing. You may even want to have a consultation with me and then have a consultation with a local lawyer where we, where I can kind of help bridge the idea gap um, and, you know, do some, do a little bit of consulting for you and, and get you on the path that you need to be on. But I'll, I'll answer that question in terms of what I do for my clients. Perfect. So sorry, big no, long disclaimer. Absolutely. Thank you. No. Out of the way. Yeah. Otherwise it just sounds like I'm up here trying to be a, a right. show for my own <laughs> services. And I, I don't want to create that misperception. That would be tacky. I got you. So, no, I appreciate it. The first thing that I think you need is you need a strategy. And mm -hmm. we have this service called the Legal Strategy Map. And I'll be I'll tell you what we charge for everything too. I mean, I'm I'm not bashful about that. We charge $1500 for our Legal Strategy Map. What we do is we sit down with the client for about 45 minutes and we pepper them with questions. We ask them, you know, where are you right now in the entrepreneur journey and the business life cycle? You know, like growing your business, what phase of development are you in? Where are you trying to go? Uh, what's working, what's not. We have, you know, our signature method is called the five legal E's because nobody mm -hmm. likes legal E's, but our legal E's are good uh, and they are encounter, enrich, I'm sorry, encounter, explore, enrich, envision, and enforce. And we follow that five legal E's process through a lot of the services that we deliver. Um, and we start with the legal strategy map. So for about 1500 bucks, we do this 45 minute consultation. And then we go, we take all the data from that. And it's a lot, we, we can get a lot of questions asked and answered in 45 minutes. Um, we take all that data back and we, over the next week or two, we craft a strategy document for your business. That's uh, a map to business development in a legal context. Okay. So we think you ought to have this legal support at this phase, and then you should add this and you can take these steps to sort of build up the legal support for your business in a way that matches what you should be spending on preventive legal service. That's the other thing. We, we quote out of your budget for what you should be spending on preventive legal service because most people have no idea 
and even really, really great um, business strategy books like Successful Business Plan, Secrets and Strategies by Rhonda Abrams, a book that I have recommended to many people, kind of glosses over legal. Like even okay. a good business plan book like that, That's a, it's a really comprehensive workbook. It's excellent, but it doesn't do a great job of, of telling people, setting expectations for people in terms of what they need to do for legal development in their business to, to stay protected, to build the assets they need for their business to grow and protect those assets. Mm. So we do that. And then we schedule a follow-up 30-minute consultation with the client. And this is all about implementation. At okay. the end of that legal strategy map, um, and we can do that for businesses pretty much anywhere, by the way. Um, but at the end of that legal strategy map service, they have a document in their hand that they can use as a guide to follow and to craft their um, legal support over okay. the next three years. And we do annual updates for free for, you know, for the whole three years. Um, so you, you pay for it once, you have it, it's, you follow it, it, it should help guide the development of your um legal function in your business, your legal support and your legal operations, both. Um, it should kind of outline all of that for you. And then you come back the next year and you schedule a free follow-up consultation and we'll say, okay, where, how, how far did you get? Did you, did you follow all our recommendations or did you not? If you fell short, why, why did that happen? And we edit and we adjust and we tweak it to, to make sure that it, it fits you as your business grows because your business is dynamic. Yeah. Even though it may feel like you kind of do the same things day in and day out, day after day, your, your business is growing and changing and, you know, regulations change things, the way the market is changes things. You're in a dynamic marketplace, so your business needs to be dynamic in order to remain relevant. Okay. So that's number one. Number two, we match our clients to um, a general counsel solution that in, uh, that will help keep their business protected with always on proactive, preventive, and ideally profitable legal support. Okay. So I say ideally profitable, but I'm going to put a pin in that and come back to it. For micro businesses, businesses with less than a million dollars in revenue, this looks like our legal lifeline service, right? It's unlimited remote legal consultation service, unlimited legal research, all your de minimis legal services, um, and a couple of other little things. You can go to executivelp.com and click on legal lifeline at the top and you can see what it all entails, but it's $4,800 per year. So it's very, very affordable. And if people come to us with an idea, they say, I want to start a business and you know, I want to pay you to help me form my LLC or corporation or whatever, then we include all the business formation services that normally if they just wanted that, we would charge a flat fee of $1,000 to do the, just the business formation. Yeah. But we include all of that at no additional charge. Okay. with Legal Lifeline. So if you come to us before you've done anything to actually create the legal entity or anything like that, you'll get your business formation for free um, with your annual support. And so you get a whole year of legal support for your, your startup um, and free business formation. With Legal Lifeline, I, the reason that we do this, and that may, may sound like really overwhelming, if there are lawyers out there freaking out uh, as they hear this, like, oh my gosh, you're not using the billable hour at all. How are you, you know, how are you not getting overwhelmed with clients and how are you able to do that without just getting yeah. slammed and never having a life and never leaving the office? Um, the reason is because of the Pareto principle. Um, we know that uh, our clients are paying us for availability and there's an ethics opinion that was written by the Tennessee Board of Professional Responsibility that says that's one of the things 
that constitutes an earned fee. If, if your client is paying for your availability and you're able to deliver that availability to the client, then that, is, that means that the fee is earned because it's like buying cell phone minutes. You're buying a block mm -hmm. of cell phone minutes and whether you use them or not is up to you. So they, we are available to all of our clients and we've never fallen short on the availability issue. Mm -hmm. We've never had that problem because of the Pareto principle, the 80-20 rule. We know that 20% of our clients are gonna use 80% of our services and 80% of our clients are only gonna use about 20% of our services. It's just yeah. kind of a universal law. Yeah. So understanding economics and decision theory and all of that really helps us to design a service that's balanced and affordable for our clients. Um, and it gets the billable hour out of the equation, which means that when a client needs to call us or they want to schedule a weekly check-in with us or something like that, they will because there's no disincentive to do that. There's mm. normally if you hire an hourly lawyer and that lawyer's billing $300 an hour and you want to have a 12 minute conversation with them, you won't because you, they're going to send you a $60 bill. Mm. And so you have to get the billable hour out of out of the equation you've got to offer you know some kind of subscription-based um, unlimited service in order to give the client the proper incentive to call the lawyer proactively to book in time with the lawyer knowing that it won't cost them any different they've already paid one flat simple fee and they get everything that they need um, in the legal service plan um, so i said ideally profitable so here's yeah. the last I said so there are three components and I put that pin in it and I'm going to go back and pull that out. The way we make this profitable is through legal operations. Now, legal operations function is the policies, the procedures, the documentation and the training for your staff necessary to know when and how to use legal services. And we believe that these legal ops functions in your business, legal operations functions, mm -hmm. um, ought to be governed by key performance indicators. So we have this whole array of legal key performance indicators, and we evaluate which ones are most relevant for our client's business. And we establish these systems and processes. We deliver this training. We create these documents for your, for your legal operations function in your business um, to use the custom metrics that matter for you so that you can measure the impact, the financial impact um, on your business that legal services have. Hmm. And so you, the, the big problem is not that lawyers aren't already delivering services that could be profitable. The problem is that clients, the business clients are not confident that if they spend X dollars, they'll get Y dollars back in benefit where Y is greater than X. Yeah. And you thought you'd never use algebra in your life, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. But basically what we want to show is a return on investment. We want to see positive ROI. And the problem with the billable hour is it, it's trading time for dollars. It's not mm -hmm. a system that's designed for trading value for dollars or measuring the value delivered, except in really broad strokes, obvious ways. Like you spent a total and, and you really won't know it until after, right? But you spend... Fifty or a hundred thousand dollars on a lawsuit, and you get a judgment worth, however much, you know, two hundred fifty thousand, a million dollars, and then you're able to actually collect on the judgment. And then after you've actually collected on the judgment, then you can look at what you spent to get that judgment, and you can say whether it was profitable or not. Okay. But our system, um, you know, so that's the traditional model for right. legal profitability, right? But our system is designed to 
be more proactive and forward looking and look at the metrics. Like if you did, if you had this many contracts going out or you did this much training of new sales staff, or if you did the, these other operational things in your business that we can enhance and make more efficient and more, more effective um, through the provision of legal services, how much more profitable would your business be? We can project it all out using data. So I'm trying to keep it really simple because it's a highly te technical and complex thing, but I hope you can see that it's designed to be proactive and we're setting up a budget for the client with the legal strategy map. We're yeah. telling them this is what you reasonably ought to spend. And then we're provisioning the support, whether through us or through another lawyer, if they already have a general counsel lawyer, we do not try to displace that lawyer. We try to work with them. Mm -hmm. We don't want to take their work away. We don't want to take their job away. We don't want to take anything from anybody. We want to deliver more value. So if there's an existing attorney relationship there, we say, great, here's how to get the most out of that. And we proceed to deliver the legal operations component. And usually a smart general counsel attorney will be all about it because they'll realize that it probably will result in their client using their services more, which is better for the lawyer. And those services are more likely to be profitable, which is better for the client. So everybody mm -hmm. wins. Yeah. Nobody is taking advantage of anybody. It's not designed to be shady or to incre increase legal profitability for the lawyer at the expense of the client. Nothing like that. And quite to the contrary, it's designed to make the client better because we believe profit is what happens when you get everything else right. Nothing else right. Yeah. That's and that's an amazing kind of setup. I I really like how you you have the map first, uh, then builds in everything else, and then offering that subscription based is huge for mm -hmm. for people looking for help, especially starting out. Um, but with that, and I know you can't you can't because um, everyone's different, so we understand that. So in general, what are some things, maybe forms or something that you see a lot of small businesses? miss that are that actually end up hurting them do you, or do you see a certain thing that they don't do correctly yeah a, a lot a lot of things but i'll pick i'll pick on two or three okay. but first i want to say i mentioned our legal lifeline service that is yeah. designed for businesses that have less than a million in revenue the reason i led with that is just because um, i want people to know that uh you're never too small to benefit from legal support you're, you're not. And I've heard that a lot. Well, when we grow, when we get yeah. bigger or whatever, um, then, then it will matter more somehow. And um, <laughs> like, really? I mean, your business doesn't matter now. Like what's going on? What, why is what you're building today not worth protecting today? Yeah. Is it, I mean, it can be cost effective. So people have a lot of just wrong thinking mindset. And so I'd say that's the number one mistake. Mm. Um, I don't want to. I don't want people to think that just because they're small, they can't have legal service. But for the people who may be listening to this, who are a little bigger and who are self-rejecting right now and saying, "Oh, that's for micro businesses. That's not for us." We have a fractional general counsel service for for smaller. I mean, sorry, for larger businesses. So if you're looking to hire a general counsel attorney um, or a chief legal officer, someone in that role, and you're saying, oh, "I really don't want to pay." the salary for that kind of a person, because it can be daunting to do that. Yeah. It's, um, you know, general counsel salaries run, run pretty high. They run, you know, six figures plus easily. Um, 
And so what we offer is a fractional general counsel solution for them. And we help build their legal department, their legal team at a fraction of the cost of even one lawyer's salary. So, mm. um, and we still do all the other things, the, the legal budgeting and the provisioning and all that other stuff. So it's a really great service that even, you know, medium sized businesses could, could easily take advantage of. Yeah. Um, in terms of mistakes, I mentioned mindset. Yeah. I feel like I'm a little all over the place. So let's get focused again. <laughs> um, on, mindset is the biggest mistake. Having wrong ideas about lawyers, preconceived notions, the idea that you know lawyers are out there to just kind of leech off of your business and take, take, take without giving back. That's a huge mistake. Even for hourly billing lawyers, I think their hearts are usually in the right place. Even if they're using a business model that's not well designed for for focusing on value in the attorney-client relationship. It's more designed for trading time for dollars. And, and that's why we have a different business model. That's why we sort of reinvented our business model from the ground up um, rather than using the billable hour as a focus. Uh, so mindset number one, uh, and that's that has to be collaborative, by the way. Fixing that mistake, you, you, you have to engage with a lawyer. You can't just run from it. You can't stick your head in the sand. You can't say, I'll just hope that, you know, cross my fingers and hope that nothing bad happens to me. Hope's right. not a strategy. No, that's not a strategy. You need to talk to a lawyer, engage. And, you know, if maybe it won't be the first lawyer that you talk to, by the way, it might take several conversations. Um, but usually if you get one who really wants to help you, even if they can't help you, they'll point you to someone that will. And lawyers want to be, pro I mean, we go into this profession because we enjoy solving problems and helping manage relationships. That's what lawyers do. We solve problems and manage relationships at a very meta level. That's what it mm -hmm. entails. We just do it in a very hyper-focused, specific way. So if you find someone who hasn't sort of lost their spark for why they became a lawyer in the first place, um, they, they'll point you in the right direction, even if they can't help you. Number two, big mistake is, and this kind of goes with, along with mindset. If you're making the mindset mistake, then you're going to make this mistake, which is DIY, trying mm -hmm. to do it all yourself or finding some self-service. Oh, I'll just download a template off LegalZoom. That's like, oh, I'll just buy a Halloween costume online, you know, because one size fits all. <laughs> do you ever buy a Halloween costume? I mean, one size does not. Right. It yeah, it does not fit all. Yeah, uh, it doesn't even fit most. So right. it's just not going to work. It's not going to really fit you. And the worst thing about that is it gives people a false sense of security. Mm. The one I've heard really recently, I've actually heard two or three people say this to me recently. They say, "Well, I I know about contracts because I've read a lot of contracts in my profession over the years, or I've written a lot of contracts in my profession over the years." And I'm like, "Hmm, okay, or cool. Are you a lawyer? No." then you don't know. You, you have a grammar level of understanding. Yeah. And so my dad, you know, I took martial arts when I was a kid, you know, mm -hmm. for, for exercise. Like it was always, a, you know, learn a foreign language, practice an instrument, do some sporting thing. And so I did yeah. like basketball and baseball and martial arts. And um, I learned that having a yellow belt <laughs> is knowing just enough to really get your ass kicked. <laughs> And that's just like saying, I've worked with contracts a whole lot in my profession, so I know what I'm doing. I understand contracts. I can write yeah. contracts. I can read contracts. Having a, gram a grammar level where you understand the, the colloquial meanings, the common mm -hmm. you know, conversational meanings of these words, 
Uh, and being literate and being able to read the contract is like having a yellow belt in karate. You now know, you now know enough to get your ass kicked. Uh, you do not know, you don't have like a legal understanding and you right. don't know the legal meaning of those terms of art because you didn't go to law school, you didn't study it, you haven't read the case law about how mm. those con those types of contracts have been interpreted by courts and you don't understand the uniform commercial code and all those things. There are technicalities to the law and people... And I hate it when people object to the technicalities too. I actually had a judge um, <laughs> early on in my career. Um, he he found against my client. He you know I presented this very out of the box argument. It wasn't wrong. It was it was the right it was the right answer. I'm still confident today um, that it was the right answer. And uh, I was doing I was doing court appointed work at the time. And this uh -huh. kid was on a school bus and. Um, you know, had some trouble on the bus and everything. And uh, they char they charged the kid with, I think it was disorderly conduct or something like that. Yeah. And I said, uh, according to the disorderly conduct statute, disorder you can only be charged with disorderly conduct if your conduct is disorderly in a public place. And I said, a school bus is not a public place. I said, try going on to a school bus. If you're the parent of a child, try getting on that bus. You can't, you're not yeah. allowed. If you're the parent of a child on the bus, you can't get on the bus. That's pretty not public. That's pretty yeah. anti-public. I mean, only the children and the bus driver and school officials and people with a note or whatever are allowed on the bus. It's not a public place. I said, because it's not a public place, it's not disorderly conduct. Mm. And the magistrate in the case, he, I saw his face just go red. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, I got this. You know, I, I knew that he, he, he was going to have to find my way logically, uh -huh. but he didn't, he oh, didn't, wow. he, he ruled against my client and kind of, shook his finger at him and, you know, gave him a warning. I think I don't remember the outcome, but it was just sort of, I, I just remember he ruled against my client and I waited in the courtroom. <laughs> <laughs> that was my, my turn for my face to go red. I waited. Yeah. And when the, when the judge, you know, court was over and everything, it's a small, it was a small town, a small court and everything. The judge was up there and I said, your honor may I approach. And he said, sure. I think he was really curious, like why the heck I was still there. Yeah. And so I walked up to him and I said, why? Can you, I like, I, I, I was right legally. I would like to understand just to be a better lawyer. Can you help me out? Why, why didn't you accept my argument? Why did you rule against my client? He said, I don't let, I don't like letting people go on a technicality. <sighs> and I said, well, if you take away the technicalities from the practice of the law, you know what you're left with. And he was like, what's that Mr. Bagwell? And I said, journalism, <laughs> it's just describing the facts, just yeah. describing what happened. I mean, if we're not here to make decisions based on an application of law to the facts, all we have is journalism. Mm. And that's not in a very great state these days either. No. And so I, I champion the technicalities, not just because I want to find a loophole for people, but because the technicalities are the, they are the rules and we're here mm -hmm. to play by the rules and we can't really help people get things right if we can't even agree on what the standard for right is. Mm. And, you know, that was really early in my career. I don't take cases like that anymore. I don't take court appointed cases or anything like that anymore. Um, it was just good trial experience and everything like that. And I learned a lot from it. I learned about judicial psychology and some other things, too. Um, yeah. It's not the only time I've had a judge refuse to follow the law because they just didn't like it. Um, and so I, I will sort of bring that all back to this. You need a lawyer to help you stay in control of your business. At the end of the day, it's about not letting stuff surprise you, leap out at you from your, your legal blind spot. It's about 
making sure that if you have a dispute, you can resolve it before it goes to court. It's about being proactive and preventive, because if you go to court and you rely on the justice system, Mm. you might be surprised that you don't get the outcome that you think you should or that you actually should. Yeah. Some judges don't follow the law, um, even if they're decent people, usually people make mistakes in their jobs. Judges are not immune from that. Judges make, it's why we have appeals, right? Mm, yeah. Um, I once had a judge that refused to follow, follow a, the law in a different case. I won't burden you with the story for, because we're short on time, but I'll just say that um, he actually agreed with me from the bench, but I was moving for attorney's fees and he didn't have discretion because of the statute that we have in Tennessee against um, frivolous lawsuits, which makes giving um, the defendant attorney's fees mandatory. And he said, I agree with Mr. Bagwell. This is the most egregious case of a frivolous lawsuit I've ever seen in all my years on the bench. Nevertheless, I'm going to decline to award attorney's fees because he just didn't want to. <laughs> I said, your honor, that's not discretionary. I object. And he said, if you don't like it, that's what appeals are for. Oh, geez. So I'm not here to dog on judges. Most of them are really, really great. They're like cops, right? Like most of them are really, really great. And you have a yep. few that just are going to go their own way. Yeah. But you don't have to depend on the legal system in a lot of cases. You do need to follow the rules. You have to know what the rules are and follow them. And number two, you can craft you know, your own dispute resolution process when it's just between you and somebody else. Not when it's between you and Uncle Sam. There, they pretty much got you. But yeah. if it's between you and another person, an employee, a vendor, a supplier, a, you know, a customer, whatever, if you have those kinds of civil disputes, usually you can craft and stay in control of your own solution through alternative dispute resolution, negotiation, mediation, arbitration, these kinds of things. You just right. need a lawyer to help you set it all up in advance. And if you do that, if you if you do the proactive preventive work, your business will be more profitable, it'll be more resilient, you'll you'll be able to avoid disruptions from legal issues, and if you have a small setback, you'll be able to bounce back faster. You'll improve your business stamina which is going to keep you from getting burned out. And you're also going to build assets in your business and protect them, making your business measurably more valuable. So if you want increased value, lower stress, more resilience, and you, you want better profitability and you want to be able to resolve disputes without having to run off to court, you need a preventive lawyer on your side. Um, and it really does, I, I believe, pay for itself. And I, I think we can put our money where our, where our mouths are. So if you want to reach out to us about that, um, yeah. it's the only little shameless plug. I'll, I'll <laughs> well, no, that's, not, yeah, I think just really kind of summed it all up right there, but the importance of having legal counsel, legal help, and actually getting it from a professional, not DIYing. So I think it's been a, this has been a good, uh, hefty, but a good informational episode just about that and the importance and what there is. Cause I think, uh, and just, I guess from my, my perspective, like you think legal services, you think, well, just contracts, you know, just, you know, LLC formation from a small business standpoint, but like your strategy map, the general counsel, you know, legal operations, all that, then you're like, okay, wow, there's a lot more to it to, to really protect this, this asset and grow it. So it's like um, a football team, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. If all you, if all you see is guys lining up and smashing into each other and maybe one guy throwing a ball or running a ball, right? That's, that's all you may see. If you're not mm -hmm. completely unfamiliar with football and you don't know how it works, that's what you're going to see, right? You don't see the weeks and months of training, sun, rain, yep. snow, whatever. <laughs> you don't see it. 
You don't see the training. You don't see the coach and the quarterback going over plays. You don't see the practice of running plays. You don't see, you don't understand the thinking, the strategy that goes into it. You just see big guys smashing into each other. And when people, when people look at the law, that's what they see. They see dudes in suits smashing into each other in court, right? Like just going at it. That's what they see. But it's a mistake to think that what you see is all there is. There's Mm -hmm. so much more to it. And if you just try to, play Perry Mason or Matt Locke or what I'm dating myself now, but if you just try to right. uh, law and order or whatever the characters are, yeah. right? Like if you just try to play out what you've seen on TV and you're like, oh, I can go to court, um, <laughs> you can, but you're going to lose. Uh, or if you just say, Oh, you know, a contract, I've read a bunch of contracts. I can write a contract. It's just English. I did pretty well in that subject in school. I'm a smart, educated person. It's not enough. You, you, it, what you see is not all there is. There's more to it. So get an expert. Yeah, absolutely. No. So, uh, I appreciate you being on and sharing all this and just giving direction with the legal just services to, to, and how it ties the profitability. I think that's a huge kind of gap that people don't understand. So for you to bridge that was, was really good. Um, before we kind of wind things up or wind things up here, um, I asked this question of all my guests and it's the fifth trade of pencil leadership that pencil was created uniquely with the purpose to leave a positive mark um, and so with that being said, when everything is said and done for you here, um, on earth, what do you hope your positive mark is? As a professional, I want to change the way people see lawyers. I, I at least want to be the exception to the rule <laughs> at a minimum, right? Like I want to yeah. be, um, the person that when people are arguing about whether or not lawyers are decent humans or even human, they go, oh, but there's that Noel Bagwell guy. He cares about <laughs> you know delivering value to clients and not just billing as many hours as possible. So I I'd, I at least want to be an exception to the rule. But if if I can be more ambitious ambitious than that, I would really want to change the way small businesses see lawyers. That they see them as allies, not liabilities. Um, and I really want to change the way lawyers approach doing business with their clients. I think if we can do that, if we can make that change in the world, then we can change this really heartbreaking statistic. And I'll share the statistic with you. 60% of small businesses will have a significant legal event this year. 60%. That's most by a healthy margin will have a significant legal event, but 60% of them, the majority will not hire a lawyer. And 40% of the ones that don't hire a lawyer will cite cost as the reason. They'll say it's too expensive. Now they're wrong about that, but it's fair. That's their perception. And there are good reasons for that perception, even though it's wrong. Mm-hmm. It's just bad thinking. I mean, they're, you know, smart people can make thinking mistakes. It happens all the time. And if it weren't true, then Nobel Prize winning economist Daniel Kahneman wouldn't have had such a successful book with thinking fast and slow which I strongly recommend. Thinking Fast and Slow is a, a brilliant book and it exposes a lot of the cognitive biases and you know sort of logical heuristics that we use when we're thinking about things and it shows how our thinking gets so muddled and tripped up. Mm. But if we can acknowledge that we're not perfect and that's okay and we don't have to know everything and we need the help of experts and we need a team and success is a team sport, if we can really buy into that kind of mindset, that kind of thinking, I think we can have a good shot at changing that statistic. Not only will more businesses hire lawyers and get the support they need and be better for it, um, but 
particularly the 40% who cite cost as the reason they don't hire a lawyer, I think that can be eliminated. That can be pushed near to maybe 5, 5%, 10%, whatever the margin of error is. I think we can push it down to, to effectively zero. There are always going to be a few. But I, I think we can really create this impression that legal support is profitable and therefore it's affordable because everything profitable is affordable. And if we can do that, I will have done my fellow man a, a good turn. So Absolutely. that's the goal. Awesome. I love it. Big goals, but, but, but great goals to, to be working towards. So I uh, appreciate what you're doing and for sharing again. And, and thanks again for being on pencil leadership today. Uh, well, I can't do any of that. I can't reach that goal without people like you guys tuning in and listening and yeah. trying to get your head around it. I know it's a lot of material and we're way over time because I, I talk a lot. That's all right. Um, but I really, really appreciate you guys listening to the message. And even if you don't fully believe me, giving me the chance to come out and, and share my ideas that I truly passionately believe in just means the world to me. So thanks for having me on. Yeah, no problem. And with that, where can people connect with you at, find out more about your services, more about you and, and just get connected? So if you're interested in the legal operations side of everything, you can go to profitfromlegal.com. Um, that website or that landing page is about to be redesigned, but right now it, it will connect you with a video about profit from legal and our uh, legal profitability scorecard where you can go in and kind of measure the potential for impact that that service can have on your business and just find out some more information about profit from legal and, and how we can make legal support a profitable choice for your business. Um, more broadly, if you're just interested in connecting with me as a person or talking about ideas or sending a, a message saying, hey, I saw you on Pencil Leadership, you know, I learned something, reach out on LinkedIn, uh, linkedin.com slash n slash nbagwell3, I think. Awesome. <laughs> I think it's nbagwell3. Awesome. Uh, yeah. So I'm actually checking that right this second. Yep. That's the one. So <laughs> uh, nbagwell3 on LinkedIn. Um, and, you know, I'm a pretty accessible guy. Awesome. Well, yeah, guys, definitely check that out. Get connected uh, with Noel and yeah, start start down this path of, of legal services and uh, using it to increase profitability. But uh, again, Noel, thank you so much for being on Pencil Leadership. Thank you. And thanks so much for tuning into this episode today. If you found value at all from this episode, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It just helps us get this show, these messages out in front of more people. And don't forget to share this with someone who you think could benefit from listening to as well. Now let's go out and be pencil leaders.